Welcome to the Arrowhead Addict Podcast Tuesday edition. I am Sterling Holmes, no Matt Connor. Matt Connor's on vacation or something, just basking in the sun. At least it's nice here in Kansas City. I can't complain too much. Uh, so thank you guys so much for joining us. I'll be joined by Tucker D. Franklin shortly. Tucker Frank, uh, Franklin from KC Sports Network. Going to be a lot of fun. Uh, angry, drunken German already saying, guests, damn, I better put my pants on. Come on. We're going to have fun today. Going to be a blast. Uh, shout out to anyone who's joining us on Twitch as well. Uh, shout out to Richard and Hunter, our producers, getting Twitch up and going. If you know me, uh, I don't know really what Twitch is. I, I'm too old, I think. I, I'm, I'm past the cutoff of knowing how it works. But I appreciate anyone who joins us on there. Shout out to Phantom as well uh, from California, from the OC. I don't know if they still say OC. Every time I say OC, I think of Arrested Development. And they say, OC, we don't say that. We're going to have a great time today. Going to be a lot of fun. And if you're there with us, the best way to have a lot of fun is with KC Beer Company. Some breaking news. Got to get to you. If you heard this before, it's not breaking anymore, but it's breaking to us. KC Beer Co. said they would never release an IPA, but they brewed one so good, they broke their own rules. It's called Never Say IPA, and it's the newest beer and their first IPA to hit the KC Beer lineup. The beer is a celebration of German and American brewing traditions using both German and American hops as well as German malt and yeast. Y'all got to try it. You have to go and try it. Find it wherever you get your KC Beer Co. here in Kansas City, Kansas or Missouri. It's another great beer from the award-winning brewery with a great selection of lineups and brews uh, from, the, from Dunkel to Hefeweizen to Pills Light, and now they have the Never Say IPA, 21 plus, drink responsibly, but I'm telling you right now, go get that IPA, absolutely delicious. Sean in the chat saying, these guys take a lot of vacays. Sean, I'm always here, baby. These other guys might take a lot of vacays, not this guy. I'm right here, I, I bust my ass on a day where there's massive Chiefs news. I'm being facetious. Not a lot of, of Chiefs news. Let's be real here. The biggest name right now, the biggest thing going on is the ability to wear zero as a number. Yeah. When wearing zero as a number is one of the biggest things. Uh, not a lot. Not a lot. Uh, but I want to get into some key losses for Kansas City. I want to look at some of the replacements for Kansas City and where do they go from here. Uh, I'll take a deep dive with Tucker. Uh, he'll be on here shortly. But here's what I have to say. With Orlando Brown Jr. being gone, with Andrew Wiley being gone, with Juju Smith-Schuster going to the Patriots, with McCole Hardman going to the Jets, with Juan Thornhill going to the Browns, with Michael Burton going to the Broncos, with Frank Clark and Carlos Dunlap still unsigned, with Colin Saunders going to the Saints. There is a lot of uncertainty this year. This is not the same thing as the run-it-back year from the previous few seasons. It's not running it back anymore. It's going to be a situation where you have Mahomes, where you have Chris Jones, where you have Travis Kelsey. That's your core three. Outside of them, there are going to be a ton of moving parts. It's what the Patriots did is how they were able to have so much success for so long, right? You have a longer window when you keep your three core guys, two core guys, whoever you want that to be. For them, is Gronkowski. Tom Brady, uh, whether it was a slot guy and Julian Edelman, they always found a way to get it done with all these rotating pieces. Kansas City is going to do the same thing. What I'm intrigued about is how they fill these holes. Now, the Chiefs, the past few offseasons, they've shown us they're going to get younger, they're going to get more cost-controlled, and they're going to probably fill it with rookies. As much as we want here to – as much as we want – DeAndre Hopkins, as much as we want a splashy move, I don't know if Brett Veach does that. Uh, I see Kern Slayer says, did we sign D-Hop? Not yet, and I don't think the Chiefs do. As much as I would like that the Chiefs aren't going to part with a top 100 dra uh, draft pick, while the Chiefs have a plethora of draft capital, when you are in the same boat as where the Chiefs are right now, you're not going to spend top 100 draft picks. You're not going to trade those away. You need cost 
controlled impact players. You find that in the draft and you typically find that in the top 100 draft pick, right? So I don't see this happening unless the DeAndre Hopkins trade is for a fourth, a fifth or, or a sixth. I don't see a legitimate move happening. I would like DeAndre Hopkins. If he gets traded to Kansas City, you better believe I will celebrate with the rest of you. I'll be thrilled. But my my head is telling me it's not going to happen. And what Bre- what Brett Veach has shown over the past couple of seasons is probably a little unreali- uh, unrealistic. What I will say, Odell Beckham Jr. makes a little more sense. And the reason why is you're not paying debit and then you're paying credit, a.k.a. you're not going to give up draft capital and then going to pay the guy a large sum of money as well. DeAndre Hopkins has about 34 plus million left on his current contract, a contract that he already says he wants to renegotiate. He wants to be there longer. Now, that's a little worrisome for me. Odell Beckham Jr., while he's at his certain age, I'm not saying he's young. You're not having to give up draft capital to bring him in. And realistically, Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be a lot less expensive than DeAndre Hopkins. I see a lot of y'all in the chat and you're talking about Chris Jones, right? You're talking about how we want to see an extension for Chris Jones. If you bring in DeAndre Hopkins, that makes it that much more difficult to extend Chris Jones. Now, who would you rather have? Would you rather have Chris Jones or do they have a wide receiver one in DeAndre Hopkins? I think the majority of you folks would say Chris Jones. I think that's the smart answer. Chris Jones, in my opinion, still has three, four, maybe five more great seasons left in him. That's the way I would go. The Chiefs have just shown us they don't need an elite wide receiver one to win a Super Bowl. I'm not saying go into next year with what they currently have. I'm not saying there's not room for improvement. But what I'm saying is you don't have to go out and spend top dollar on a wide receiver. Mahomes makes everyone better. Now, I love Kadarius Toney. Very high on Kadarius Toney. But I don't think he's a legit wide receiver one. I don't think he goes into next year currently as wide receiver one. The reason being, he's not shown the ability to stay healthy for a full season. I love Kadarius Tony. Nothing against him, not knocking him. But you have to have availability. And until he shows he can stay healthy, he's going to be just a, um, a great piece. He'll be a great piece. I will also point out, Brett Veach knows what he's doing. Brett Veach isn't just sitting here in the same boat we are. Brett Veach isn't sitting back on his hand saying, I hope something comes up. Let me think of something. No, he has a plan. There is something in place. What it is, we can only guess at the moment. DeAndre Hopkins is a little too expensive in my boat. But what about a younger guy? What about someone who might be similarly expensive, but who fits the youth movement that Kansas City is currently on? Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk from the 49ers. The 49ers have already given a lot of money to Debo Samuel. They obviously have a large contract in Christian McCaffrey. What I will say is getting out from Jimmy G's contract, having two QBs on a rookie deal, that behooves them. But they're still bringing in guys like Javon Hargrave, right? They have a lot of money tied up in that defense with uh, Trevarius Ward even. I wonder if Brandon Ayuk could be on the move, a guy who's going to want to have a new contract come up. Uh, I I believe actually Matt Verderam on Thursday's show brought this up, but I think it's a good point. Just because we looked at the list of free agents and that list is not good. When you're talking about Richie James, when you're talking about Kenny Galladay, you're talking about Nikhil Harry, it's not a great free agent class. But there could be a trade in place. And again, I think Brandon Ayuk would be a very interesting, intriguing move. Another guy I would think could be fairly intriguing is Denzel Mims uh, from the New York Jets. Denzel Mims is 6'3", little over 200 pounds. Uh, He was a second-round draft pick out of Baylor. Now, a lot of my film analyst friends, Daniel Harms, if any of you know Daniel Harms uh, from RGR Football, extremely good at what he does. He was very high on Denzel Mims, but Mims has not had a great opportunity in New York. Now he's stuck behind McCall Hardman, Elijah Moore. Uh, He's stuck behind a lot of talented wide receivers, including Alan Lazard. I wonder if Denzel uh, Mims could be potentially on the move. The Chiefs only have one real big-bodied guy, and that guy is MVS. Denzel Mims seems to be a good player to bring in. Denzel Mims is someone I would take a look at. 
Uh, I see someone in the chat, Todd Rogers and Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, I would love to talk about Michael Pittman Jr. But before we do, Tucker Franklin. Tucker, how you doing? Buddy, I am doing great. Uh, as you know, Sterling, a good party never starts on time. So <laughs> we, we had to make sure that I was a little bit fashionably late sitting in traffic on, you know, tis the season for some construction going on around the Kansas City area. But great. I'm excited that you invited me on uh, to talk some Chiefs football. A lot of stuff going on that we could talk about, and uh, I'm excited to get into it. Uh, I will say this. No one has ever seen Creed Humphrey and Tucker Franklin in the same room. <laughs> Uh, I'm sort of convinced you are Creed Humphrey, but you rock the Kiss style heels. Like you get mm. those six inch Gene Simmons esque heels on, and that's what really makes you Creed Humphrey. I'm I'm fairly convinced. Yeah, it's it's leg lifts. Uh, it's you can't see them in in the cleats, but uh, if you uh, ever saw Creed and I in the same room, no, you didn't, uh, because. Yeah, it's it's actually incredibly weird when I saw him in person. Be like, whoa! Like I thought that was me for a second but, uh, uh, at training camp. So no, it's uh, it's uh, flattering to be mentioned in the same breath as Creed Humphrey. Well, we're talking off season here. We were mentioning the wide receiver class. We'll start there, yep. obviously, with Juju Smith-Schuster being gone, McCall Hardman being gone, Justin Watson is still a possibility. Um, Justin Ross, I know we saw a video of him running up a hill, and that means he's going to go for a thousand yards, obviously. Yep. But what I will say, the free agent class isn't great, but we know Brett Veach has a plan. We know at a similar time last year, we didn't know what the wide receiver class was going to look like. We didn't know what the team was going to look like, and we found moves that ended up winning a Super Bowl. Now, to me, you're obviously going to hit some guys in the draft, but what about a trade? Uh, some trade opportunities exist out there. We were talking about Brandon Ayuk. I know Michael yep. Pittman Jr. is obviously a hot topic here in Kansas City just based on how fun he would be. A guy I'm looking at that I think is a real possibility is Denzel Mims. Any of those guys intrigue you? Do you have a name that you're thinking of on the top of your head? What do you believe could be a good move here? Well, I do think that uh, obviously the big one, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, Nate Taylor wrote the article saying that it's kind of unlikely. Uh, I think that would be fun. Odell Beckham Jr. would be another one that I think would be a, would be a really fun one. But I think Odell probably still remains at the top of the list. And look, I understand people's hesitations with Odell. Uh, right. He tore the same ACL twice. Um, that's not that's not a great thing. He's coming off the injury um, and he's had a long time to rehab this injury. He's kind of older on the older side. Brandon Ayuk obviously would be a fun one. Price tag is probably a little bit higher than what an Odell would be. And if I had to guess right now, why we haven't seen the Chiefs, you know, make a move or kind of sign anyone in this free agency market. You know, it wasn't a huge marquee free agent class when it came to the wide receivers. Right. Uh, but we. Didn't really see the Chiefs offer get close to what we thought it would be for Juju Smith-Schuster and other wide receivers towards the top of that market had gone kind of in the same range uh, of, of that price range, and the Chiefs didn't really want to play there. So part of me, and now this is just speculating, a part of me thinks that they might be up against money a little bit. So even if you do trade for Brandon Ayuk, you're going to have to extend them. If you trade for really De DeAndre Hopkins, you're going to have to extend them. You're going to have to do a lot of this contract stuff. And, and I think that's what the tough part is, right? You, you run into some money issues, whether it's cash on hand for signing bonuses, stuff like that, whether it's cap space, you're going to run into stuff like that. Um, and, and I think that it, it'll be fun. Like, obviously I want the chiefs to trade for DeAndre Hopkins. That'd be so fun. I want the chiefs to trade for Brandon. Ayuk. imagine Patrick Mahomes and Brandon. Ayuk. what they could do in that offense. That would be incredible. Uh, but I think the, the, sometimes you have to hit the reality button, uh, sometimes and think, well, they might be up against it a little bit money wise. So what can they do with this money? How can they sign a veteran wide receiver and get a, uh, a veteran wide receiver in this room? Because that, I really think they need one. If you look at this room right now, they need a guy who can kind of take some pressure and make Kadarius Tony not feel like he has to be that number one wide receiver or Sky Moore feel like he has to be that number two receiver or really even for MVS to feel like he has to be that number one receiver. So uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff in the wide receiver room going on and, and there's some names been thrown out there. But I, 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 would, I would anticipate the Chiefs to kind of lay low for a while and especially in the wide receiver market, see how it plays out. And, and after the draft, man, I would anticipate 
something happening. I know it sucks to wait until after the draft for that, but I think that's probably the most likely scenario. Yeah, we're impatient. Okay, right. we're, we're not we're not patient people. It's not it's not my nature. I have seven dollars. I'll throw in. I, I'll throw seven dollars to bring in a veteran yeah. wide receiver. I'm sure that'll uh, that'll work and cover it. Yeah, if I had my druthers, I think it'd be Odell Beckham Jr. because you're not paying debit and credit, as I mentioned earlier before you got on here. I'm not huge on DeAndre Hopkins based on age contract the acquisition cost to bring him in. I just think the draft capital, you're not getting him for less than a what you know top 100 draft pick. And I think the Chiefs at this point, what they're trying to do, they're never going to have a, a very high first draft pick. You want to get as many right. as you can in the top 100. That's your best bet of getting long-term cost controlled. Uh, good talent, you know, week one, or, um, uh, ability to play week one, game one. Uh, they need to keep those top 100 draft picks. So I don't think DeAndre Hopkins, I like Odell Beckham Jr. I, I think the knee isn't big of a concern in my book. Uh, my understanding was the first knee never recovered. Apparently it was a matter of time before this was going to happen. It was a ticking time bomb and it happened. So this yeah. could be maybe for the best for Odell Beckham Jr. Now he actually has a chance to fully work out. It's a full year now from the actual ACL tear. That's good news. Uh, and then again, I think the draft for sure, but I'm really intrigued by Denzel Mims and then Richie James. Richie James is a free agent. I've talked about it a decent amount on this show, on the radio show. So bear with me for those uh, in the chat who've heard me talk about Richie James, but he takes the, the pressure, in my opinion, off Kadarius Tony. Not only can he be the punt returner, kick returner, but he can run those McCall Hardman-esque plays. He can run the gadget plays, and that way Kadarius Tony can focus on getting healthy and running the wide receiver routes. Richie James was the de facto wide receiver one at the end of the year for the New York Giants. I get it. That's not saying much, but if you saw the, the Giants wide receiver room and you saw what Richie James was doing, you would be intrigued too. I, I, I guarantee you not many people were watching their games, but yeah. as a fantasy football truther over here with Richie James, he carried me to the fantasy football playoffs, okay? I just think Richie James would be cheap. He's 27, and he takes the pressure off of Kadarius Tony. What are your thoughts? I think that's an interesting one. I don't, I, Sterling, admittedly, I didn't I didn't know you were that high on uh, Richie James. Um, and, and I haven't heard, really heard that name be thrown out there all, all a whole lot, but I think that it, it makes sense uh, when, when you come to, to, to that. But I really think it comes back to this whole, the whole crux of um, you want someone to take pressure off of Kadarius Tony. And I think Kadarius Tony is the biggest one you want to take pressure off of just because of, you know, his injury history. That's not a big surprise there. He's uh, a little injury prone, obviously with the giants and even coming with the chiefs. He played in a couple games, missed a few games and then came back and played in a few games. You want to see that, that health get on the right track. And I don't know if, if uh, you can necessarily feel comfortable relying on production that you need from Kadarius Tony um, at this moment. And, and I want to shout out a comment there. I, forgot who uh, brought it up there, but the chiefs really are in a good spot right now. Um, it's, it's, we're talking about a luxury right now, right? We're talking about uh, something to bring on, on top of the chiefs wide receiver room to kind of ease the pressure a little bit, right? The chiefs were fine without Tyreek Hill last year. They didn't miss him, uh, miss him a single bit. They were still the leading offense in the league, but um, no, I do think that that is, uh, it's interesting uh, that you, that you bring up, uh, Richie James, I'll have to do, I need to, I need to more look into him. I don't know. I don't, I need to look into him a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the tackles. Now uh, I yeah. spent a good, good chunk of time on the wide receivers before you got here. And I want to switch gears, gears to the tackles. Uh, so Juwan Taylor brought yeah. in the right tackle from Jacksonville, 80 million, 60 million guaranteed, Right. The expectation is for him to play left tackle, but it also opens up a lot of flexibility for Kansas City. You can draft your left tackle of the future if you want to put Juwan Taylor at right tackle. Now, I will throw the caveat out. That makes Juwan Taylor the highest paid right tackle in football. Yep. Not yep. sure if you want to do that, but the flexibility obviously is a nice touch. Orlando Brown Jr. signed four-year, $64 million. In my estimation, that's a bargain. I know some Chiefs fans aren't a Orlando Brown Jr. fan. I understand that. But you'd pay $16 million for his production. Over what he did the past two years, he was easily worth $16 million per year. Yeah. What do you make of this move? And are we a little looking through too much rose-colored glasses here about Jawan Taylor? Because at times I feel that. Yeah, and I think that that can 
I think we could be guilty of that. But but I do think Jawan Taylor. If you look at just uh, he's so he's so different. Uh, he's so different than what Orlando Brown was, right? He's young, he's athletic, not saying that Orlando Brown is old, but he's a clearly athletic guy. He tested, uh, tested well. You saw the video circulating on, on Twitter of him and his workouts. You're just like, man, this dude looks like he's athletic. He can, he played a little bit of left tackle for Florida. Uh, I think it was only a couple of games, but he, he played a few snaps there. And I do think that it's interesting the Chiefs are going with that strategy again, right? Of of trading for a guy, signing a guy, getting a guy, bringing a new guy into the building, and then moving him to opposite side of what he was on. You know, obviously Orlando Brown wanted to be a left tackle. I'm not sure if Jawan Taylor said he wanted to be a left tackle, uh, but he's going to get moved to left tackle. And it's interesting that the Chiefs were so adamant about him being a left tackle, right? Because Sterling, you mentioned it. You put his contract up against right tackles. He's the highest paid right tackle. You put his contract against left tackles. He's like an average paid. I mean, I think he's up there, but he's above average in terms of left tackles. Uh, so if you're if you're looking around, it, the Chiefs and, and Matty Lane said this on the uh, Casey Laboratory podcast. I believe that was last night. That feels like a long time ago. But they, but he was talking about this last night. Kind when it comes to the the tackles is the chiefs felt must feel like that they have a, an answer at right tackle. If they were so adamant that they wanted to move Juwan Taylor to left tackle. And, and I think that's interesting. And I think when you start to survey that and, and the reports coming out about them being so, yeah, he's a left tackle. He's a left tackle. He's going to play left tackle. They must feel confident in Lucas Niang playing right tackle. He must be, they must be feeling playing pr- pretty confident in, Maybe Darian Kennard playing over there at tackle, but they uh, they they ha- they feel like they have an answer there at least to say, uh, first to say, hey, he's going to play left tackle. But I, I do think Juwan Taylor is a guy who uh, isn't going to give up a whole lot of pressures. Right, sixteen pressures in seventeen games last season with a guy like Trevor Lawrence, who is a mobile quarterback, but isn't a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes that's good at avoiding pressure or good at avoiding sacks. I should say Patrick Mahomes was the most pressured quarterback in the league last year, and I believe was top three in sacks and least amount of sacks, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so he was, he was very good at avoiding the pressure and uh, with a guy like Patrick Mahomes, and we've seen Patrick Mahomes make offensive linemen, make tackles better when it comes to Andrew Wiley, when it comes to yeah. Mike Rimmers was a serviceable <laughs> right tackle for a while there in Kansas city. So I, I think that they can be okay uh, at right tackle, I would love to see them take like a, a Darnell right. Like that would be fun uh, to have it right tackle and then have Jawan Taylor at left tackle. And you're starting to look at a pretty young offensive front there, uh, Sands Joe Tooney. But, you know, the, the bill is going to come pay, to come due on uh, both Creed and Trey Smith. Don't know if you're going to be able to pay both of them unless the cap booms significantly. Um, and you can you can kind of play pay both of them. But it's going to be interesting to see what they do uh, moving forward with the, with the configuration of the offensive line. Joe Tooney's contract is probably going to come up a little bit. Uh, they've got an out, I think, coming up here soon. Um, but the offensive after line this year, after yeah. this year, I believe. Okay, yeah. so they could they could get out of that contract too, or rework it, or, or something. And he won't be the highest paid guard. Uh, I can tell you that because it's going to be it's going to be either Trey Smith or Creed Humphrey, a uh, highest paid interior guy. Uh, after that, but uh, I do think Juwan Taylor. It's hard to not get excited when you when you watch him, right? I, th- I think that his athleticism is what makes me so excited. Uh, specifically, when I see his athleticism from the right side, I see I see a guy that can 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 convert to the left side. I mean, if Orlando Brown can do it, I think Juwan Taylor can do it just fine. Yeah, uh, want to give a quick shout out to how about those Chiefs and the folks loving the crossover? Yes, yeah, little Casey Sports Network. <laughs> how about those Chiefs and Arrowhead at a crossover? A little, it's like when the Office and Friends and Seinfeld has all come together. Yes, you know that, that's what this is like. Uh, also, shout out Raymond Chandler for the super chat. Thank you so much. Uh, just to say hi, guys, and appreciate you here and on Discord while I'm home with COVID. Mm. Feel better, man. Um, I know I talked a little bit earlier on Discord, but that sucks. I hope you feel better. I know you got some Casey Birko. Thanks for driving. He drove 13 hours to pick up Casey Birko. Oh, if you Casey want a Birko. a reason why to to get it in your less than 13 hours away, that's <laughs> why. I love it so much, dude. And the, your arrowhead, arrow red logger that you guys got. Oh, 
so good. I've Delicious. had it a couple times. It's it's very it's good. There. Um, my favorite's the Hefeweizen. I love Hefeweizen. Come on, Tucker. Why why do you sound like you were seventeen underage drinking it? Come on. Listen, because I'm from the Midwest, dude. I'm not German. I don't got the V <laughs> in the in the W. Drive the Hefeweizen. There you go. Yeah. Um, I gotta gotta get gotta get the German going. If the Chiefs are gonna play in Germany, we gotta do some podcasts in German or something like that. So I gotta, yeah, I can speak a little German. Oh, Ein bisschen Deutsch. Ein bisschen. Look at that. See, I'm just saying. If Learn you something new. Send me, guys. Come on. <laughs> well, well, everyone chip in like seven dollars again. I don't know why it's seven today, but chip in seven dollars. Send me over to uh, to Germany. I'll do it. I'll rock it. Uh, I want to stick with the offensive line very quickly because yep. I do think there's obviously a plan at right tackle. And I'm going to go through the list of free agents, okay? Here are the free agent right tackles currently. George Fant, okay. Billy Turner, Jawan James, Josh Wells, Marcus Cannon, Ty, I'm going to butcher your name, who's 37 years old, and Mike Rimmers. Mm. Yeah, so not a great list of right tackles, right? Correct. So you currently have Lucas Niang, Prince Tegawanogo technically is a, is a tackle. Yes. And then Darian Kennard on the active roster. Darian Kennard, I, I'm, again, I apologize if you've heard this before, but I, again, the caveat is the biggest news regarding Chiefs football today was that you can put the number zero on your jersey. So yes. uh, we're, we're going through all this right now. We're, we're rehashing some of these things. Darian Kennard last year was moved to guard. Now, was that a versatility move? Or was that because he was not a right tackle? That remains to be seen. But I don't know if the Chiefs feel comfortable with what they have currently at right tackle. Drafting another guy in the draft leaves you some uncertainty. I was pretty confident the Chiefs were going to go try and bring in a one-year guy at right tackle. But looking at that list, none inspire confidence. Right. I think I'd rock with Niang before I'd go with Mike Rimmers. Maybe Prince Teguanogo is that guy. Um what would you do? Because, again, that free agent class just is not good right now at right tackle. Personally, if it was me, I'd probably draft a right tackle. Now, I don't know if that's at 31, and I don't know if that's – and not, and I want to also say that with a caveat. I'll draft a right tackle to compete for the spot. Right? I'm not going to say that the right tackle is going to come in and automatically uh, be the starter. Because I think if you, if you draft the right tackle and he can add competition to, uh, to Prince – to Lucas Niang, and then a, a rookie, right? Uh, if you have a three-man competition for that right tackle spot and, you know, the, the rookie wins it or Prince Tega wins it or Lucas Niang wins it, um, I, I probably feel a little bit more confident after training camp knowing that there was a competition for it and, and, and they had a little bit of a, a little bit of competition for it. Uh, but I, I just keep going back to the thought that, that Matty Lane had on the, on the KC lab podcast. And he brought this point up too, is that they felt comfortable enough to put Lucas Niang in the Super Bowl When Andrew Wiley came in and reported as eligible, you can't come back and report ineligible after that. So they put Lucas Niang in, mm-hmm. they felt comfortable enough to put him in, in that situation. So the chiefs must be comfortable with Lucas Niang. Now I would love to see a right tackle. See, I go back and forth on, on 31. If, if, because I really do like Darnell Wright. He's fun. If you haven't yeah. watched any of him, he's he's fun. Uh, we'll have some videos. Don't want to spoil anything at KC Sports Network. But uh, about some of these prospects, uh, kind of around that 31 spot. But the Chiefs have done a really good job every single year that Brett Veach has been the general manager of not tipping their hand, of not having a huge glaring hole going into the draft so you don't know what position they're going to take uh, with the first-round pick in the years that he did have a first-round pick. Um so I think that that's going to be really interesting, whether that's a first round tackle, second round tackle, maybe even a third round tackle. Listen, we saw Creed Humphrey, who was a second round guy. We saw Trey Smith come in six round guy, come in and, and start right away. I don't think that it should be the expectation that the Chiefs take a guy and he comes in and starts right away. But I do think that the expectation should be a very open competition for that right tackle spot. Yeah, I will still say I'm very high on Lucas Niang. He's my Alberto Mondesi of right tackle where I just can't <laughs> find a way to give up on him. He can't stay healthy. But every time I'm sitting here going, yes, yeah. Lucas Niang, can't wait for this guy. Uh, he'll be 37 again, and I'll still be like, but what about Niang, fellas? What about Niang? Uh, I will say, with Creed Humphrey, I'm intrigued about the contract extension for him. I wonder if the Chiefs do extend him, but also they've not shown the uh, concern to extend centers, right? Mitch right. Morris at the time was one of the best centers 
The concussions, I think, played a factor in maybe why they didn't. Rodney Hudson was one of the best centers in the NFL. They said no. I just don't know if they're going to spend the money on an elite center. Well, I think Creed Humphrey might be in a little different category than those two guys. He, sure, he certainly could be. You're yeah. probably looking at the highest paid center in the NFL when it's when it's time to pay him. Do you think the Chiefs are seriously looking at Creed Humphrey being the highest paid center? Well, I think you have to. I, I think that if you're the Chiefs and if that's what Patrick Mahomes wants, right? If Patrick Mahomes doesn't want to have another center, doesn't want to go through the rookie center uh, again, I think you give Patrick Mahomes... Uh, Patrick Mahomes, what he wants at the center position, because that's such a crucial exchange and such a crucial uh, part of the game. And I, I believe I, I could be wrong on this, and I'm sure the chat will call me out if I'm wrong on this. But I think that like when Rodney Hudson left, he became the highest center paid center in the league, and when Mitch Morris left, he became the highest paid center in the league. Um, and again, as Sterling, as you brought it up, if Creed Humphrey leaves, he's going to be the highest paid. Center. I, I don't, I don't think that that's a, that's really a debate anymore. Um, and I think right now it's Jason Kelsey signed a 14 million dollar deal. I think I think Creed will clear that. Yeah. Um. When he when he when his, when the bill comes due, I would love for the Chiefs to extend him. Um. And I it would make sense for the Chiefs to extend him. I think too, just because of as I mentioned the cru the crucialness of that relationship between center and quarterback, especially with a guy like uh, Patrick Mahomes. You don't want anything like that. But again, Patrick Mahomes can probably make anybody good, right? So it's like one of those things where you could probably put another rookie center in there and, and be just fine and keep cycling them through. But it would be a whole lot more fun to have Creed Humphrey on this football team for a long time yeah uh looking at one thornhill going to the mm. browns the chiefs brought in mike edwards the former buccaneer what do you make of this move do you think this is a one thornhill replacement nearly one for one do you think brian cook is going to become the starter now alongside justin reed we obviously know that chiefs love using a lot of three safety sets so they're all going to get a lot of play but what yep. do you make of mike edwards he's known as a ball hawk he's going to be aggressive uh, the Marcus Peters-esque at safety. Not quite that talented, but yeah. that's the style. What do you make of this? He's a, he's a guy who makes splash plays. Um, so he's a guy that he's going to make those big plays, much like a Dan Sorensen, right? I know that name's kind of taboo to bring out there, but he's much like a Dan Sorensen where he's going to make those big plays in the times that you need him. And I think he's a good third safety, right? I think he's, he's a good... Uh, nickel dime whatever you want to whatever package you want to throw out there with three safeties uh you can you can throw them out there but i think brian cook is really going to take that step up as and be that second safety in their quotes um and i think he'll he'll be the the starter for them in that in that base uh really defense and i think that that's exciting we saw brian cook really come into his own uh when he in the playoffs and i think that that's been really exciting really encouraging to see brian cook come along and man if you look at that secondary you look at just the youth, and you can even throw you can even throw in Lajarius Sneed, right? He's still on a rookie contract. He's still got two years left on a deal. The youth in that secondary is unreal. When you talk about the four corners that they drafted, the Brian Cook, Justin Reed's the the old guy back there, and he's not really terribly old. I don't remember his age off the top of my head, but he's not terribly old. So it's really exciting on the defensive side of the ball just to see what they added. And Mike Edwards, I think, is a good uh, accent piece. And to that, just like, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about him, uh, but Drew Tranquil. I think Drew yeah. Tranquil is a perfect accent piece to what the Chiefs have going on on the defensive side of the ball, a, a signing that I was frankly surprised by uh, when they when they announced the signing of Drew Tranquil. I didn't really think they were in the market for another linebacker considering their linebacker room already. Uh, but, you know, Darius Harris not being tendered kind of made sense for them to bring in another one. Uh, but, but I do think that defensive, and, and that kind of goes into it a little bit too, is I think that, Drew Tranquil as a linebacker is a good coverage linebacker, right? I, I think that this kind of opens up what the Chiefs can do on the defensive side of the ball with formations, packages, all kinds of different stuff with with passing downs and guys that can get after the ball because we've seen Drew Tranquil make some really good plays on the ball. Who, who's a guy who's got a nose for the football. Mike Edwards, another guy who's got a nose for the football. And these corners have proven to be uh, – Ball Hawks as well, and really good uh, on that side. So I'm excited to see what uh, what this Chiefs defense looks like, um, which is really – I talked about this a lot, Sterling. I might have talked with you about this on the radio, that I kind of anticipated the Chiefs to kind of go after the offensive side of the ball for free agency, the defensive side of the ball in the draft. And we've had a lot of conversations with the KC Lab guys about that too, and that's kind of the, the approach that we thought that the Chiefs were going to take going into it. 
it seems like it's going to be kind of opposite of what it's going to be because they they hit the defense pretty hard on the free agency. Obviously, they brought in Juwan Taylor, but you know, bringing in Co. Charles O. Um, is a big signing. Don't want to say his last name, dude. I who is how you say it, but I I get so worried when I go to start to say his name because I don't want to butcher it. I just call him Charles O. so I, it's safe. It's just safe to do. And I'll probably say it on Twitter too. Cause I don't want to type out his whole name and misspell it. And I have somebody in the comment section telling me that's not how you spell his name. But yeah, I think the defensive side of the ball is really uh, taking a step forward. I will say really quickly, Legereus needs actually on his last year, last year okay. uh, of his kind Cause he was not a first rounder. He doesn't have the fifth year option. That's right. Um, but defensively, I want to talk about Drew Tranquil a little bit as well. This reminds me of the Golden State Warriors basketball, but in football. They're very versatile and almost interchangeable. Yeah. Drew Tranquil is so good at so many different things. He had five sacks last year, but he's also known as a coverage linebacker. You have guys like Leo Chanel who can play multiple aspects on a team. You have uh, Mike Edwards, Brian Cook. Brian Cook can play a little bit of, of linebacker if you really, truly wanted him to. Legereus Sneak can play inside and outside the entire defensive line. We saw Chris Jones inside outside, Charles Aminahu inside outside. Yep. Mike Dana was inside on uh, the NASCAR package, right? Yep. So they're building a very versatile defense. Maybe I'm a little bit uh, overblowing it by calling it the Golden State Warriors, where it's the, you know, no set positions, right? But that's a little bit what the Chiefs defense feels like. You're going to have more set positions in football just the way it is. You're not putting a, a safety at, in, at D line, it's not going to work. But right. you get my point here. The versatility jumps off the page. The lines definitely blur uh, when when you're talking about safety to linebacker, and not necessarily linebacker to defensive line, just because you know that that would change if they were at a three four. Uh, but but the but the four three definitely, especially you mentioned the the the, off, the defensive line they're putting together is so interesting to me, just because of the versatility from inside to outside on like all the guys that they have, and I feel like we've kind of forgotten. Uh, a little bit about Tershawn Warden, who's a guy that played a lot of inside, has a lot of speed, but I think I kind of want to see him on the outside a little bit. I kind of want to see what he can do, and I'm sure they'll mix it up to where you get a bunch of different packages uh, with those guys going everywhere. But I, I do like that that, that that analogy of the Golden State Warriors, almost a positionless type of, of football. And uh, listen, we knew that Steve Spagnuolo likes these guys with versatility. He drafted guys who um, played safety, and corner like I think LeJarius team was a safety his final year of college at Le- at Louisiana Tech. Um, so I there the, he's drafted guys that have the ability to play both safety and corner and we knew that in the secondary that he likes to likes to do that with those guys. Um, but now you're starting to see it with like the linebackers, right? Uh, Drew Tranquil is a guy that you can put on the field and really feel comfortable in a passing down. And there's not many linebackers you can do that with. Uh, so like, that's something that's super exciting. And a guy who can still hit, like he can hit with the best of them. And that's another thing about the chiefs corners and the Chiefs' safeties and the Chiefs' secondary. These young guys hit, like they come up, they'll hit, they hit you. They'll wrap you up. They'll tackle you. Not something you see a whole lot. So I do think that, uh, I really like that analogy of like positionless, obviously, you know, you mentioned hard to be positionless in football, but it is a little bit like that of them saying like, Hey, these guys can play whatever position, whatever role we need them to um, and, and get after the football. How big of a loss do you think Frank Clark, Carlos Dunlap, I guess technically both could come back, but the expectation is no. When you, when you see a, uh, the Kansas city chiefs Twitter account tweet out, thank you for all you've done. Frank Clark feels yeah. like they're moving on completely. Uh, also Colin Saunders signing that deal with the saints. Great for him. Excited for yeah. him, but he's no longer in by, by the way, the saints are sitting here. They did it with Tano <laughs> Passigno, and now they're doing it with Colin Saunders. Uh, it's pretty impressive. Like we see glimpses in a guy from Kansas city. Let's go ahead and just get him on a, on a decent sized contract. I don't, I don't get it, but good for them. Yeah. I think they still have Dan and they have Tyron too. So they're like putting together the 2018 chiefs defense is what they're trying to do. Uh, 2019 chiefs defense. Known uh, great defense, by the way. Right. Right. Um, it's, it's interesting to say that I'm super happy for Colin to get the contract that he did uh, with the saints, which it could have been in Kansas city. Obviously, as I mentioned at the top, it might be, cap money type thing it business at that point um and it gets in the way of that which which stinks but i do think carlos dunlap it would be an, another addition that you probably won't see him sign anywhere uh until like the second week of training camp like he did with the chiefs like the guys like that frank clark 
these guys aren't going to go to OTAs. These guys aren't going to go to phase one. They're not going to mess around. They're not going to sign anywhere until training camp starts. I, they're not going to do that. They're not going to go through all that song and dance if they do come back. So I'd like to see Carlos on that back personally, just because I, I like the role that he had and kind of the um, ability that he was able to mix in with, with the defensive line that they had constructed there. Uh, Frank Clark would be another one that what I would love to have back would welcome him with open arms. Obviously if the price is right uh, for both sides to make sense. And, and I do think that, the Stevens line will look a little bit different. They're going to have to find bodies, right? Because like those are two guys right there in a rotation that you uh, were kind of relying on pretty heavily in, in a defensive line rotation, whether that's they feel confident in Malik Herring, whether that's they feel confident in uh, Joshua Kando, whether that's they feel confident in somebody in the draft. Um, but again, we talk about this again. You're not going to find a blue chip edge at 31. You're not going to find a guy who is a TJ Watt, who is a JJ Watt at number 31. Uh, you're not going to find a guy who has high production. Now, we can argue George Karloftis did have a lot of pressures last year. I think he came in and, and performed well for his draft slot. Uh, but you're not going to find a guy who is going to come in and be Depoy uh, Rookie of the Year. Uh, right at 31. And if you do, you found a, you, you found a stud, you diamond in the rough, you found it. Good job. Give Brett Veach the award for executive of the year. Yeah. Uh, but that and 30 teams trucked up. It <laughs> doesn't happen. Very, that does not happen very often, but there's some guys in there that I think would be fun if you put them in a rotation. And I think the, the, the really ideal spot right now that the chiefs are in is uh, the good spot. The chiefs are in, I should say, is they're not having a guy that needs to be like a marquee edge, right? A guy who is like a headliner edge. You can put George Kyle off to some one side, Charles O on the other side. Feel feel okay. Like you want to get some rotational guys in there now to get some bodies to throw waves at teams. That's what you want to do. That's kind of the trend now is you want to throw waves of these defensive linemen at teams. That's what the Eagles did. The Eagles were about yeah. eight, nine yeah. deep at D-line. Each, each of those guys brought something to the table. Really quickly, Wyatt Gibson, love this chat. Sterling, is the drumhead missing an H? It looks like it says Steel Panther. Uh, you are actually correct. It is missing an H. It says there's a tiny H above. What? It was a joke that the Steel Panther members, it's all signed by the members of Steel Panther. Uh, they thought it's funny, so it's Steel Panther. And then they add the H on later, which I found <laughs> very, very funny. Um, but I will say the line of Chris Jones, let's say Turk Wharton, Charles O., and then George Karloff is on paper. Those four are solid. I'm comfortable yeah. with those four, but you're right. It comes down from the depth. The depth is where the chiefs need uh, looking at the current free agents, whether it's D end or just pass rushers in general on the outside. Here are some names for you. Let me know if you're intrigued by any of these Robert Quinn, who's now 32 uh, Jadavian Clowney. He's 30 a Sean Robinson who's 28. Uh, Calais Campbell, who's 36, Marcus Golden, M-I-Z, who's 32, yep. and then Unique Ngakwe. Unique Ngakwe could be a relatively interesting one. He is uh, only 27 years old. He's been very consistent his entire career, always more than eight sacks in each of his seasons. Uh, don't know if any of those guys do anything for you or are realistic possibilities for Kansas City. Yeah, when I start to look at free agents, uh, the Chiefs have shown – that they have a trend of bringing in guys who are young, right? They're not going to bring in guys, you know, if they bring in somebody who's older, it's going to be closer towards camp after the draft, whatever. It's going to be closer towards the season if they bring in an older guy. So like, especially this time of year, I like to look at the age and like youth guys like DJ Chark, especially before he signed was one of the guys that I kind of have my eye on because he was only 26, a wide receiver that they could probably get on a one-year prove a deal. He was a little hurt last year, played really well with the lions when he, you know, he came back and basically the Lions turnaround was because DJ Chark was healthy. Obviously, none of that matters now because he signed elsewhere. But that's what I look for when I when I see uh, see guys on the free agency market. And none of those guys on on the on the defensive line really scream to me that I think that the Chiefs would go out and offer a couple a multi year deal too, right? And I think at this point you're looking at multi year deals, right? I mean, I'm. Drew Tranquil and Mike Edwards signed one-year deals, but uh, especially for for somebody like that, it's it's going to come down to money. Um, and I don't know if they, I don't know if they have like a a one-year three mil left in the tank that they can give to a defensive lineman, or if there's a defensive lineman on that list that would take a one-year three million dollar deal. Um, so it comes down to that. Nothing that I really think that 
what I think that would be some fun, like I think Yannick Ngakwe would be super fun with this Chiefs defense, but I don't know if the money makes sense for either side, um, which is, it's just the tough part when you have to weigh that. Like, I know it's so much fun. And we talked about this with wide receivers too, <laughs> to talk about Brandon Ayuk and the trades and Laramie yep. Tunsil. I saw someone so Laramie Tunsil in there. We were talking about Laramie Tunsil trades, even after the Chiefs signed Jawan Taylor, we were talking about those trades like that. And, and that would be so fun, but then you kind of have to say, all right, let's take a step back. Let's look at the money situation. And I think that's kind of what I find myself doing a lot lately and and almost, <laughs> well, pretty, I, almost raining on my own parade is what I'm trying to do. Hey, I'm Mr. Realistic. That's why I said Richie James and Calais Campbell, okay? I'm Mr. Yeah. Realistic. I'm not DeAndre Hopkins and Unique Ngakwe. I'm yeah. Richie James and Calais Campbell. Uh, Again, I'm with you. Bringing these big name guys, you see the name and you want them to be here, but you can't have an all pro at every single position. Right. There's just no way for that to happen. And I know people always love to say they'll take money to win a ring. That's not the case. Uh, You got to be realistic. There's a reason why Juju didn't come here the first time, came here the second time. There's a reason why you don't see all these wide receivers clamoring to come here because they want the money. I get it. Uh I understand. I'm not blaming these guys. They want to win, but they like the money more. It's tough. You get offered seven million, or you get offered three million. Yeah. What are you taking? I'm telling you, every time I take the money. Like I, I know a lot of people want to say like, oh, hometown discount a. Like that's one that gets thrown around a lot. I don't know how much that really exists. And B, like taking money, taking a discount for a ring. Like yeah, a ring is nice, but like, I'm taking the money. I don't care. I don't know about you, Sterling, but like if somebody offers me. You know, three million, uh, three million or seven. I'm going to take the seven. Wow. Why do you not want to win, win a ring? Tucker I'm Franklin, just, noted, noted loser, noted wants to play <laughs> for, uh, I don't know, Houston Texans. Although I will say, like, what the Houston Texans have done this offseason. It's kind of fun. La- Laramie Tunsil, Dalton Schultz, they're going to draft a QB at two. They're giving their, their QB some opportunity to not suck year one. I'll give them that. They won't be good. No, no, but I like what Houston's done this offseason. Let's get into this. Number zero. Anyone can wear it now except for offensive and defensive linemen, which ruins what I wanted. Uh, I wanted offensive linemen, just a big old boy to rock number zero. You're telling me Orlando Brown Jr. rocking zero would not be hilarious. That'd be be awesome. Yeah. Who, Who would look best in this number? Um. Colin Saunders, if he was still on the Chiefs. Uh, no, I, the, when that rule passed, I immediately thought of Colin Saunders, right? The Tom Pelissero tweet originally didn't have like all of the technicalities listed on it. And obviously, like Colin Saunders doesn't play for the Chiefs anymore, but like that is the guy that I first thought of. I was like, man, if that guy could wear zero, that'd be so perfect. And he seems like a guy that would wear zero. Uh, I've seen a lot of Isaiah Pacheco's being thrown around with zero. He wore number one in college at Rutgers. I, uh, double check that because I think I saw a Photoshop with him with zero on and I was like, hey, kind of looks good. That kind of looks clean. Um, Kadarius Tony is the one that Joshua Briscoe, big fan. He's been pining for uh, Kadarius Tony to wear zero for I think as long as it was like a thing that started to be thrown around. Um, but I, I think it would be I think Kadarius Tony is probably the answer. Uh, I think that he would look fun in zero. I have the real answer for you. Okay. Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. Odell Beckham Jr. Ooh. would look fire. If anyone was to rock it, it's him. It's like Gilbert Arenas, but make it NFL. Odell Beckham Jr. Or go double zero, like Greg Ostertag. Yeah. You know, that's what I think that they need to do. Open up double zero. And if you had Greg Ostertag on your checklist for today's show, congratulations. <laughs> that's a really good bingo right there. When I uh, when I played baseball back in my uh, glory days, I was zero zero, and I was the catcher. I was a double oh, zero tough. catcher. Yeah, that's to. tough, dude. Yeah, I yeah. was uh, no problem. No problem on this end. I was ninety nine seven one year. Ninety nine point seven. <laughs> was I just swing that one. It was a radio station uh, in Kansas uh, City, so go. it was ninety nine point seven, which I found uh, very funny. I guess we forgot one guy uh, before we move forward. Michael Burton. Michael Burton's gone, going to Denver. They mm-hmm. brought back Blake Bell. Do you think Blake Bell oh, is yeah. the fullback in those handful of times they use a fullback? Do you think the Chiefs actually go out and draft a fullback? Do you think they're finally saying we're done? This is not the way of the future. We couldn't pick up fourth and ones either way with a fullback. <laughs> right. Let's move on. Uh, what's your take here? 
I find it hard to think that Andy Reid is just going to completely give up on the fullback. Uh, but I do think in maybe in those situations, they will make uh, Blake Bell the de facto fullback. Here's a fun one, though, Sterling. Michael Mayer, tight end uh, from Notre Dame. How fun would he be in this Chiefs offense, right? I keep thinking about him. You probably have to draft him at 31 if he is there. He'll be gone before 31 probably. But if he is there at 31, it's going to take a take a little bit of a look because you could get some pretty fun 13. Look, look we already know the Chiefs love 13 personnel, right? If you put him and Travis Kelsey and Jody Fortson all on the field together, you're running – you, we've already seen Jody Fortson in jet motion before. We've seen him run a wheel route off of jet motion. Imagine what you could do with Michael Mayer and Travis Kelsey, the one other wide receiver being like Kadarius Tony. That would be so hard to stop. Like, just that formation makes me just get so excited. But I don't think Michael Mayer will be there at 41, 31. That's too bad. Um, but, no, I, I think that Blake Bell coming back is a, is a, is a good signing. I always liked Blake Bell. Um, he's uh, reliable. He, he does the job that he needs to do. Very, uh, he remind, he's a very blue-collar guy, right? Uh, hard, hard hat, lunch pail, goes to work, gets in. He seems like one of those guys. Uh, first one in, last one out type of guy. Yeah, how, um, how many more uh, cliches you want to throw in there? Let's see. I, I think I, I think I emptied the tank on that one, um, but I got them all in about Blake Bell. Real student of the game. Yeah. Real student. High football character. Uh, <laughs> high IQ. High football IQ. No, he's. Uh, I, I, I do like the signing, um, but uh, I, I like I, Raymond's in, in the chat. His thought: Blake Bell is the QB in those Eagle type third and ones, fourth and ones. Uh, that yeah. actually is actually intriguing. If they're not going to ban it, if they're going to allow that to continue, I wonder if that's a real possibility. I actually don't mind Blake Bell coming back. Uh, he does bring something to the table. He is mm-hmm. one of the best blocking tight ends in football. And he's a depth piece considering as much fun as Jody Fordson is, he's not been healthy and we've not seen the mm-hmm. consistency from him. You're going to want to have those four tight ends at least at some point, right? They went in with four tight ends last year. That was a game plan. One got hurt. As much as we want the Chiefs to draft a tight end, Noah Gray has been improving. I'm not saying Noah Gray is a bona fide stud or a starting tight end in the NFL, but as long as Travis Kelsey is putting up the numbers he's putting up, maybe I'm being foolish here, but Noah Gray can fill in, and he's done a good job filling in. Travis Kelsey had maybe his best season of his entire career last year. I know that's probably not going to continue for how many more years, but like, do you draft a guy? For example, different situation, different position. The Packers – Drafted Jordan Love thing and Rodgers was on his way out. Right. He was on his way out. He won two more MVPs. You draft a tight end, first round even, 31. Travis Kelsey still has three, four more years left in him. Then it's time to pay the piper. What do yeah. you do? You're not getting the value of a tight end two compared to a right tackle, a left tackle, a wide receiver one that's there all the time, an edge rusher. I just don't see the value of drafting a tight end early. That's my only pushback there. Hundred percent, and I think that's kind of where the logic falls apart, right? Is that that where that the drafting him? I see Kyle in the chat bring up uh, Luke Schoomaker, a uh, guy that we sat down at KC Sports Network. We sat down with him at the East West Shrine Bowl, talked to him, had a good conversation with him. He's a fun guy. I like him at the tight end position. I think I saw Dalton Kincaid was brought up again, uh, a guy that I think Delaney Walker told us when we were at the combine that he really liked uh, Dalton Kincaid. Uh, so there's there's guys out there that are good tight ends that they could still draft later, like day two, day three. Yeah. And and be well, I'm okay fine with. there. I'm fine yeah, there. Yeah. I, I'm just saying 31, uh, 63, right? At that point. Yeah. yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm out. I'm yeah. out. That that's just my personal opinion. Uh <laughs> I love remember when Veach drafted a running back first round before he's trying to <laughs> he's trying to get under my skin. He even said, Will Sterling have a heart attack if the Chiefs go running back with the 31 pick? Yeah, I will. I he's was young. pissed when they drafted Clyde. I told my roommate at the time, I go. Anything but a running back. If they draft a running back, I'm out. I even had Clyde as my number one running back on the board. Uh, wrong. But <laughs> I wasn't happy. I don't want a running back first round. The Chiefs said, again, I am going to be livid. It will irk me. They will have my ire. Okay? Yeah. I'm out. Uh, let's do a couple quick hitters uh, if you want. Um, actually, before we do that, we have something for everyone listening. Go to BetMGM. Use code Arrowhead, and if you do, you get up to 1,000 paid back in bonus bets if you don't win. Minimum $10 bet required. New customers only 21 plus and present in Kansas. Gambling problem? Call text 1-800-522-4700 Kansas. See full terms at betmgm.com 
or in the description below. Again, code Arrowhead. Who doesn't love to win money? I love it. Yeah, win some money. All right, let's get into some quick hitters here. How much credit should we give Joe Cullen for the defensive line turnaround last year? Because that was one of the most noticeable turnarounds in the entire NFL. Uh, It went from a huge weakness to potentially a strength, right? You know, second in sacks overall. How much credit does Joe Cullen get? I think he gets a lot of it because if you look at that defensive line, outside of a few changes, you know, Carlos Dunlap was added, obviously. Uh, There wasn't a lot that was changed with that defensive line, right? I think Chiefs fans obviously wanted more change with the defensive line than what happened with it. Uh, There were some guys added to it, George Karloftis. um, But the jump that they took is more than just adding George Karloftis and Carlos Dunlap, right? Um, It's more than just having a few guys get healthy. It's more than Chris Jones just having the best year of his career. Obviously, that was huge, uh, and and I think a lot of the the lot of the uh, hat tip goes for for Chris Jones. I think when you heard Chris Jones talk about his year, he talked about Joe Colton. Like you hear all these defensive linemen talk about how like this was the best year for a lot of those defensive linemen. Uh, you know, Frank Clark maybe not his best year in the regular season, but you know you, you got to give him his respect in the playoffs. He's like third all time in postseason sacks, which is an absolutely crazy stat. Um, and and when you see the development of of you know George Karloff just kind of running through that rookie wall of those the guys on the interior, Colin Saunders specifically, a guy who really played himself into a good good size contract. I think Col- uh, Joe Cullen is. Uh, the main reason that we're talking about that. And, and we, we were lucky enough to sit down with Joe Cullen over a shameless plug here about KC sports. that we were able to sit down with him and talk to with him a little bit about just kind of that defensive line room as a whole. And it's a very fun room that they got a lot of personalities in that room and, and just kind of talk about kind of his coaching philosophy there. Uh, go check that out. But uh, no, I, I think that Joe Cullen is, is one of those guys that, his impact uh, was seen and you don't see that a lot with position coaches. Right. But I think that was one of them where you, where you sat down and you, you watched the film, you, you see it pop off of like what this defensive line was doing last year to this year. And that's not an indictment to whoever was coaching the defensive line. I think Brendan Daly was coaching the defensive lineman last year. Then he moved to linebackers. Yep. If I remember correctly, that's not an indictment on him. I think that's just how good Joe Colin is. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I, I will also point out, I found, wait, this is very funny. Uh, Raymond goes, I got Casey Beard and me in a COVID fever. Hello, bets. <laughs> Drink and bet responsibly. Uh, <laughs> but uh, angry, drunken German, him and I have been on the same page with this all season long. Cullen has been amazing. Every lineman that was healthy last year took step forward, other than Naughty, who was the only one who really didn't. And it's tough for Derek Naughty. When you are a run stuffer, you're never going to take a massive step forward. I do think Naughty was noticeably worse last year, but I don't think that's an indictment on Cullen at all when everyone else, including Chris Jones, is giving you tons and tons of props. Uh, Let's do another quick hitter. Does Brett Veach trade up, trade back, or stay at 31? I think he trades up, if anything, um, because if you look at all of the draft capital they have, I believe it's 12 picks. They don't have room for 12 guys on this roster. Uh, they, they're going to have to either not make those picks or cut those guys, and they're going to have UDFA guys that they're going to sign to. Um, so if I had to put some money on it, I think that I would probably say moving up, try to get that guy that they, like last year, like a Trent yeah. McDuffie that they got their eye on, somebody like that. Yeah, 100% with you. I don't see them trading back at all. It doesn't make much sense. Plus, you get that fifth-year option in the first round. I think that's going to be massive for a team, again, who's trying to get cost-controlled younger. Uh, They're showing us what they're trying to do. They're telling us what they're trying to do. We don't know what they're going to do, but the theme has been getting younger and cost-controlled. Another quick hitter. Is the number one overall pick overvalued? Mm, That's a good question. I think so, probably. In the and when you start to think about it, how much is uh, like CJ Stroud worth? How much is a guy that hasn't played a snap of football worth? Really, when you start to think about it, I shouldn't say snap of football, a snap of professional football. <laughs> yeah, I've it, never played football. Draft me first overall. <laughs> I have played football, but still, you get the yeah, point. Yeah, I mean, come on, don't be so nitpicky. A guy who hasn't played professionally, how much is he worth? Is he worth as much as the Carolina Panthers wanted to give up for him? We'll, we'll see. I will say this. So I've done a pretty deep dive into this. It doesn't make much sense at all unless you have someone who is a consensus number one overall guy. And even then, it's not going to be guaranteed. Uh, Let me go through this list just really quickly. I've done it before in a couple of shows, stacking the box I did with Ian McMillan today. But 
Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence, those were consensus guys, right? Yep. There weren't really many questions about them. Let's say Kyler Murray questions. His height was it was made was a major question. Yeah, I don't. I think there there in my opinion there were questions about Kyler Murray. Yeah, baseball. I think I think the biggest thing was that if he was going to go play baseball or not. Were there questions about Baker Mayfield? Because I think there were questions about Baker Mayfield. I think it was a good quarterback, but I think there were questions. Some of it was off the field related. Yes. Yeah, I'd say. But so. there were questions. Yeah. Um. The first quarterback drafted. Uh, let me go back. Mitchell Trubisky. Obviously, Suspect. there, there, there were there were questions. That was beyond silly. That wasn't first overall, but that was still first quarterback taken. Uh, Blake Bortles was one of the first quarterbacks taken. He was third overall. Ugh, I don't know. Uh, Jared, Jared Goff. Yeah, well, they had it was him and Rosen, wasn't it? Him and Rosen. Yeah, so those were pretty. Those were pretty questioned. They went back and forth for a while. What What about Carson Wentz? He was second overall. <sighs> yeah, there there were some questions. Small. There school. were. Yeah, there were some questions. And about then you get back to Andrew. Then you get back to Andrew Luck, and then you, then that's yeah, when it really well, ties the thing up. So there there weren't many questions about Andrew Luck coming out of college. There weren't a ton. That's true. Yeah. So so my point is, of all the guys we just went through, there's been about three or four in the past thirteen or so years that have been slam dunks at one. The Chiefs year was was Eric Fisher because there was no real quarterback. EJ Manuel yeah. was the first QB taken. I don't want to count that one. But if you go back over the past 13 or so years, QB1 has been a huge question mark, and the first overall draft pick doesn't have the same value as other folks like to put on it. I think you're better trading to two, three, or four when there's not a guaranteed guy. I think the Panthers mm. would have been better off trading to two or three Taking either Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, who falls to him because there's no legit guy in this draft, in my opinion. You look at the analysts, they don't believe there's a legit bona fide yeah. number one. The Bears did a great job trading out of that. The yeah. Bears got a King's ransom. I've always, well, I don't say always, I've had a recent revelation that I think number one is starting to get a little, a little overvalued. I can see that. I can see that for sure. And, and it's really interesting when you even bring up Andrew Luck too. Like it was a debate of who was going to be the first quarterback taken with him or RG three. Like that, that was the big, uh, that was a big question there. RG three won the Heisman that year. Andrew Luck might maybe should have won the Heisman that year. Um, so, but there, there was a lot of stuff there. Uh, and that's a really good point. I, like, I don't think that, right. If you, if you're, if you have somebody make the choice for you, right? Like if, if to your point, I think the Colts sitting at four is probably a good spot for them. Right. Yeah, they, like just- they've, Take they can just sit there and just like, all right, this is who fell to us. Like, I, I don't guess think what? that's a bad choice. Less pressure, too, yes. on the organization. I, I know it's a silly thing. I know if you're the Panthers, you want to draft who you want to draft. You want to get right. your guy. I get it. But I don't think there's a guy. I don't think there's someone who's yeah. like, this is the dude who's taken us to the next level. I don't see it. And if you're wrong, you just set your franchise back so many years. You set your franchise back by yeah. trading away all that draft capital and not having the franchise QB. It's a risky proposition. I get it. Sometimes you have to risk it to get it. But the Chiefs traded up. They didn't trade up to one. They right. still traded up and got their guy. Maybe I'm wrong here, but that's the way I feel. I like it. I'm with you with that. I, I, you've you've converted me, Sterling. Now you've converted one on your uh, conquest to convert the uh, convert the world into the overpriced uh, over oh, the overvalue of of the number one pick. I'm with you. I'm joining your conquest. I, I've I've only had a couple of these before. This one, the, the first of all, draft picks overrated. The Chiefs yeah. should get Richie James and Shabarius <laughs> Ward was going to be a stud corner in the NFL. Look at I, that one. That one really, I felt good about that one, and also Josh Allen. Josh Allen was one I was very high on, you know, Mizzou boy, uh, yep. him at Wyoming. Uh, I knew he was going to be good. I, I, I knew he was going to be good. <laughs> uh, we're going to do something here before you go. We're going to bring on our producer, Richard. And what we do is a must list. So a must list is something you recommend to everyone listening, whether it's a book, a TV show or a movie, uh, an album, just anything you want. It's called the must list. We'll start with Richard first. Uh, Richard has the glorious mustache, long yeah. hair. Um, Great mustache. He, he's just a badass, man. He, he's just yeah. a good dude. So what do you have this week, Richard? What's, what's your must list? All right. We're going to we're going to keep it normal for this week. I'll throw a spanner in the works for next once once Connor's back. But we're going to recommend where did where did I put this? Uh, a classic album. I'm a big fan of rock operas. 
So of course I have to recommend Tommy. Love Tommy. It's great. Front to back. I, I will put this on. I'll put this on after we're done with the show and I will listen to it to the very end. It's an awesome album. It's it's great. You don't have to just listen to Pinball Wizard. Listen to every goddamn song. Before I get to before I get to uh, Tucker, I want to say my favorite rock opera or concept album even Operation Mind Crime, Queensryche. Hmm. Hmm. Listen to Operation Mind Crime by Queensryche. That's not my must list, but I just wanted to point that out because that's my favorite rock opera slash concept album. So badass. All right, Tucker, what do you have? Okay, I've been recently uh, watching. I've been watching a show. It, it's not for everybody. I, if, if people follow me on Twitter, they know that I'm a big I Think You Should Leave fan. Uh, a show that is uh, is very popular, but it's also very niche at the same time. Is that the guy from... I don't know, man. We're all trying to figure out who did this. Yes, that's that I think guy, you should uh, leave. Yeah, yeah, he's hilarious. Yeah, funny dude. I'm a huge I think you should leave fan. Very big fan of Tim Robinson as a whole. His comedic taste is very funny. So I've been watching kind of the precursor to I think you should leave, Detroiters. That's on Paramount+. Plus. Detroiters is a phenomenal show. Only two seasons. I think 10, 10 episodes each season. Uh, so it's a, it's a quick watch, a quick, uh, quick little roll through. It's on Comedy Central is what it was on. But the, the Detroiters, I think, is a must. And if you want to get into I Think You Should Leave, I think it's a really great precursor to get into that kind of cue zone of the comedy uh, before you dive fully into just the full-on skit show of I Think You Should Leave. So Detroiters, that's my must list. Uh, I will do Jar of Flies, the EP by Alice in Chains. Ooh. It's just, it's, it's so good. It's so good. Nutshell is so moving, impactful. It's beautiful. I love Alice in Chains. Love Lane Staley. Uh, so incredibly talented. Him and Jerry Cantrell just combined, just make such gorgeous music. It's so bad what happened to Lane Staley, but love Alice in Chains and that album phenomenal it's weird it's mostly acoustic but somehow it seems darker and grungier than almost anything that came out from that era without even an electric guitar it's very impressive so i'm going jar of flies alice and chains uh tucker you're a badass dude thank you so much for hey, joining tucker franklin we had a little little south park family guy crossover yeah <laughs> that's where we're going with casey sports network tucker franklin i never asked does the d stand for delano you know, like FDR, or is it like Tucker D. Franklin, FDR? I, well, I feel like there's a little combo going on there. Yeah, well, my middle name is Douglas. And what actually mm. originally happened when I was making my Twitter handle, shout out Joshua Briscoe, Tucker Franklin was already taken. And so I threw my middle initial in there, Tucker D. Franklin. And then I felt like I had to put my middle initial in my Twitter name, right? Because I felt weird if it was like Tucker D. Franklin and just like Tucker Franklin. Uh, but now when I write my name everywhere, it's just Tucker Franklin. I don't really go by Tucker D. Franklin, but that's my Twitter handle. And so I just made it easy for everybody. So uh, Tucker D. Franklin, uh, that, there it is. I love There's it, story. I, I love that. Uh, also, Briscoe did my stuff on Twitter because I have zero technologically. Uh, I'm, I'm very, what's technologically advanced, but the opposite? I guess just uh, untechnologically advanced would be the a luddite, character. maybe. Well, what was that? <laughs> I was like, I, like a luddite? Are you a luddite? <laughs> what is it? Anti-tech? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just not good, dude. I'm yeah. 28, going on 82. Um, but yeah, he did mine as well. And fun fact for those listening, Tucker Franklin and I, we kind of worked together for a little bit at Sports Radio 810. Uh, thought he was going to be my producer, and then he bailed oh. to do way, way tighter things. He was yeah. way, way tighter. But he's still in my phone as tucker 810 intern there you go listen you gotta <laughs> humble me somehow uh and i think that's the perfect way to do it that's you gotta gotta remember where you start and that's um, where that's why that's where i will always be and look at the kid now look at the kid now tucker franklin follow on twitter at tucker d franklin make sure you check out kc sports network it is outstanding for richard i am sterling holmes matt connor back next week. I'll be joining Adam Best tomorrow, 4.30 to 5.30. Until then, we are out.